Hi, this is Jim from Safety Works. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often have to talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity in the highway to the north, this is Safety Wars. For Friday, December 22nd, 2023, I decided to mix it up. A little bit tonight, we put on some Christmas music. Don't worry, Jay Allen, it's royalty-free Christmas music. How's everybody doing out there tonight? Uh, had an extremely busy week. We could not uh, be here uh, at all uh, until tonight. Hope you had a safe week and you are going home and you are enjoying your holiday weekend. Even if you do not celebrate Christmas, uh, take some time off. You deserve it. It's been one hell of a year here uh, for everybody involved. Hope, uh, like I said, I hope everybody enjoys their uh, uh, long weekend. Uh, Hope Santa is very good for everybody. Uh, And uh, I have a Santa story here uh, that has to do with safety, so I would... uh, just, uh, no, when I get to it, I'll tell you to turn it, turn it off for the kiddies. I don't want to upset anybody here with that. Anyway, that's what's going on, uh, here, uh, with, you know, we're, we got the holiday weekend and everything else here. Uh, we're, we hope to be on the air, uh, may not be live on Safety FM, but we'll, I'll have a program of some sort on Tuesday. Uh, even if it's a best sub program, I intend to be on the air every uh, as much as I can next week. I know it's not going to be every day, but as much as I can. Uh, I was shocked. I was in New York City today, and the traffic was not unbearable. Apparently, this is uh, being reported as one of the busiest uh, Christmases ever. I guess uh, well, this year the pandemic ended sometime in May, I think it was. Uh, everybody is out there getting going around, doing their thing, running out there again, and everything else. So on Monday, this past Monday, we did a very extensive story on a, a milling company in Wisconsin uh, that had a five fatalities and a massive corn mill explosion in 2017 in Cambria, Wisconsin. Well, wouldn't you know it? One of our listeners there was a witness to this. We're actually in the building next door, and uh, no, she went on to, to describe to me uh, via email the massive problems that they had historically with that facility. Again, leading indicators. What are those leading indicators that we're keeping track of? I don't know. It's one of those things. Uh, we also have uh, uh, just you know, horrific. I mean, it was horrific uh, details. She went. It was just horrible. Uh, hold on here. Uh, now, creating. Uh, all right, creating uh, goals. Right. We all have uh, goals. Right. My question is this. How uh, did you do on your goals this year? You say, well, Jim, what difference does it make on well, my goals? Well, it's not to beat yourself up over... Uh, you know, goals and, you know, not meeting them, meeting them, not meeting them, everything else. We all have, you know, we have 
goals and they're lofty sometimes. And you have to, I had a lot of goals I couldn't achieve because the circumstances uh, dictated that we couldn't achieve them. I know that's an excuse. I know the Sean uh, Connery line from the movie, The Rock, you know, the, uh, I'll clean it up a little bit. Trying your best. No, losers always try their best. Winners always go home with the prom queen, right? You said that to Nicolas Cage character, but uh, we understand that. But you set goals, and the reason why you set goals is that so you could get to there, so you can actually make it to that goal, so you could ain't shoot for something. Because what happens is you give a little bit of course correction. You're listening, honey? Yeah, <laughs> my daughter is right here. You get a little bit of a course correction, right, like on a ship, and all of a sudden, your trajectory completely changes, whether you meet that goal or not. That's why it's important to have goals on things, not just meander, go from time to time. And that this is not to say that we're going to go with that zero, uh, no, that zero instance, zero entry, zero illnesses uh, type situation that we're always rallying against here, because that kind of a goal, uh, that kind of goal, Whoa, wow, wow. Yeah, up in the room. That was mine. I know. I'm on the air, honey. But anyway, everyone's excited for the holidays. Uh, but anyway, they, uh, sorry about that. But, no, we're not talking about these goals where, oh, well, we didn't get where we're going to beat them ourselves. It's just real. It says you set a goal to try to change the trajectory a little bit. Now, zero accidents, zero incidents, zero illness and stuff is all baloney. We know that. There's one facility I know of in New Jersey. They have they set the goals all the time. We're going to have a TRIR, total recall incident rate, of 0.5 this year. Right? And then what happens is they don't make it. And then the next thing that comes out is, you people suck. You didn't make that goal, that 0 0.5. And this is like going on, and you know, the, uh, they keep on defining the goals downward every year. And this goes on and on and on, right? For years. So what does that mean? They're an unsafe company? No, that doesn't mean that they're an unsafe company because we know through our, our human and organizational performance materials that we have and we talk about here, those very it's very difficult, if not impossible, to set, define a trend usually. You do have leading indicators. You do have unsafe conditions that might you know, be obvious that, you know, hey, if we don't fix this, whatever, we're going to have a problem. But this, uh, the data is collected subjectively, meaning it's not objective, meaning not no, unbiased or anything. So there are biases thrown into all this data. So it's so you're looking over here, and then all of a sudden over here there's a problem, right? And it's all over. It's more or less random. That's what we're taught uh, with this philosophy. So what do we have? When you have that type of zeros and zero illnesses, zero injuries, it's very easy for companies to say, well, you didn't meet your goal. So, and now what's the implication? You're a bad person and the, uh, or bad company. And realize that they're working under a lot of incentives also, these facilities, because their end of the year bonuses, especially at the one I'm discussing here, are based I think the last time I was there, they were based on what the total recordable incident rate was. So now you're a high-level manager at that facility or mid-level manager, and then all of a sudden you don't make your number. You're talking real money. You're not getting uh, a bonus. You're not getting as large of a bonus. You're, uh, you're uh, uh, no, hey, that promotion, that's because you didn't make the money. Now make that a number. Now, all of a sudden, what happens? People get vindictive. Right? We talked about uh, this where a guy, uh, I'll, I'll say uh, same area, same geographic area. A guy, well, we were during a major shutdown, and the head of the shutdown comes over there, the uh, maintenance manager, and he says, we're 
we're not working safe. So therefore, I'm sending everybody home for two days. And therefore, you're going to think about it. You tell that to 1,500 people, and it's like, well, the accident happened to this activity over here. I have nothing to do with this. We do all of our procedures and everything else, and guess what? We have nothing to do with that. Now you're going to cause vindictiveness because it's an emotional reaction by the manager that shut things down. And now you're like, say you're psychologically abusing people on that. Because now you're bad workers because some something happened over here. And it was a fluke accident. The other thing that I've seen happen, same geographic area, Central Jersey, and this was a number of years ago, they had a uh, serious near miss, second week of December. And someone made the decision, well, you know what? We're not going to screw up our end-of-the-year bonus. He's got with a chance our... Chance our uh, no, put that at risk. So what we're going to do is we're going to go and we're just going to shut down the facility for two weeks. There's an oil terminal. So, uh, you know, this kind of stuff happens. And you know, what kind of message are you sending uh, to your work crew with that? I'm making sure that we are on the air. All right. Now, what kind of message are we sending there to everybody? But when you have when you pursue policies like that, so be careful with your goals, uh, with uh, for the no for next year and everything else with that. That's what the message is for me. I know I'm rambling a little bit, but you know, it's something that you need to think about. So no, we'll talk more about smart goals this week, uh, I guess. Uh, so where are we here? All right, so uh, what we also talk about environmental stuff is not the OSHA stuff here, and all, all different things safety-related within in our society. Regulators kill deal for well, This is from Portland Press-Herald, a uh, story by Stephen Singer. Really? There's a lot of common name. And uh, another setback for a slimming moving project, Maine Public Utility Commission members said the developer, LS Power, reported it can no longer hold to an agreed-upon price for the project, so regulators killed deal for wind power line from northern Maine to New England grid. So they cannot do this. Uh, now, here's the question here. That's really great. Now, we're trying to push alternative fuels and everything else. Is that really practical? That's my question. With this, are we pushing this too far? We I could have had a half a dozen stories here on... Uh, the banning of cars, right? Uh, there's a couple of states out there are now ban banning power tools like landscaping equipment, California being one, I, uh, and I think Oregon's the other one. Don't quote me on that. I mean, are we going too far here? Because I tell you what, I have electric equipment and I have gas-powered equipment. Guess what? The gas-powered still outperforms the electric equipment every time. Uh, I don't know. It seems to me that in a time that we're pushing all this electrical stuff, it's a bad idea to reduce the capacity in the system. And we've had guests on there on here who have said there's no capacity. We don't have the capacity to do this stuff. Okay. And I'm going to go to our first commercial break and set up uh, for other stuff in the professional safety community communication and planning are just a few keys to your program success the question practitioners have is where do i start dr j allen the creator of the safety fm platform and host of the rated r safety show has built a global foundation to help you along the way go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hup Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, 
and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. OSHA recordables, catastrophic losses, environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. That's my daddy. Yes, I am your father. We're going to go through some of the press releases from OSHA here. Uh, I always like to be the first, uh, but I got beaten to the punch on a couple of these. 12 new OSHA lines and same to increase worker workplace safety. A dozen companies and organizations from across the country are making the safety of their workers a priority by forming alliances with the Occupational Safety and Health Administration in October and November to improve worker safety. Uh, to your work. Okay. We're isn't hearing anything here. Forming an alliance with OSHA allows companies and organizations to focus on hazards to improve worker safety in a specific workplace or industry. During the past two months, alliances were formed and renewed at that address. Education and training of Mexican workers in Nebraska and Texas, training construction workers in Western Colorado, using data to educate Boise High School students about their rights. I'm going to say this again. It's extremely important that people know what their rights are in the workplace. It's a civil right been declared, passed by Congress under the William Steiger Occupational Safety and Health Act of 1970. Most, um, since we have over 50% of the, of the uh, country at, in workplaces that are not uh, public places, we're going to public employers, we'll talk about that in, in a minute, you would think that it would be makes sense that the workers know what their rights are and how to protect themselves at work. Doesn't happen. I mean, there's a very rarely does it happen, even in vocational technical schools. So uh, last Friday, I was at New Jersey City University, and we were talking at a uh, discussion there on this and uh, the importance of workers exercising their rights and their rights under OSHA and things of that nature. How do we empower workers more? And that's what one of the things New Jersey City University is trying to do, NJCU. Uh, and I'm glad to be working with them on that. Informing Dallas workers about their rights, increasing access to training in the Great Lakes region, dressing hazards and protective equipment for outdoor advertising. Uh, I guess that's uh, billboards. Developing education and training programs in Northern Mariana Islands. Reducing and preventing exposure to logging industry hazards in Louisiana. Targeting focus for hazards in the crane industry. That's construction. That's right. Electrocution, uh, falls, caught between, and flying objects. Focus for. Protecting South Florida roofers from exposure to falls struck by chemical and electrical hazards and prevalent industry hazards. And protecting healthcare workers in Massachusetts from workplace violence musculoskeletal disorders, and other industry hazards. Our vision at OSHA is to see safety and health embraced as a core value in everyone's workplace in America, said Doug Kalinowski, Director of Cooperative and State Programs at OSHA. These strategic alliances cover a wide range of industries and hazards. We look forward to working closely with them to establish specific goals and develop strategies to reach these goals. Uh, and then it goes on and on and on. You could go look that up. OSHA Kansas City Region, uh, comma, National Association of Healthcare Assistance Alliance will help protect certified nursing assistants. OSHA and the National Association of Healthcare Assistants have signed an alliance to protect certified nursing assistants in the Missouri area for exposure to safety and health hazards. All different types of issues there. We just mentioned them in the other press releases. There. Saving my uh, assistant secretary, and this is from the 19th, uh, for occupational safety health on 2022 census of fatal occupational injuries. U.S. Department of Labor's assistant secretary for labor, uh, 
just let me start over. The U.S. Department of Labor's Assistant Secretary for Occupational Safety and Health, Doug Parker, issued a statement regarding OSHA's uh, today's release by, and this was on the 19th, by the Bureau of Labor Statistics of its 2022 census of uh, fatal occupational injuries. Today's announcement by the BLS of a 5.7% increase in occupational fatal occupational injuries is a sobering reminder of the important work we must do. In 2022, 5,486 workers in the country lost their lives. So if you're an OSHA outreach trainer, this is material that you have to include in your presentation. So make sure you update that. Uh, this equates to one worker death every 96 minutes with deaths in the highest among transportation and construction workers. We also saw growth in disparities of workers of color, including black workers, whose fatality rate increased 12.4%, and Hispanic workers, whose rate grew by 10.4%. And uh, it goes on and on and on. No workers should be uh, discriminated against. Yeah, I think we could all get behind that. This is here. Uh, Let me. I'm going to do a share screen here. Let me get back to the share screen area. And dun, dun, dun. let's see how this is going to work. I have many windows open here because I don't know how long I'm going to go. Give me a second here. Please bear with me. I'm going to close that out. Close that out. And let's try this again. Here we go. All right, so here we have the fatal injuries. Here's the press release. This usually comes out. So this comes out usually at the beginning of the month. All right, so this is released today. So the beginning of the next month, this is all going to be in a nice format. Uh, that's usually the way it works here with these press releases. This is, reminds me of the old Telex machine also. Right. Go Google what that is or a ticker here. National Census, and here we have key findings. A worker died every 96 minutes for work-related injury in 2022, compared to 101 minutes in 2021. Fatalities due to violence and other injuries by persons or animals increased by 11.6%. Unintentional overdoses increased by 13.1%. At work. So this is where people OD at work happens uh with that i'm planning on having some interviews here with people workers in transportation material moving occupations experienced 1620 fatal work injuries in 2022 the next highest was construction and extraction workers with 1056 uh fatalities those were both uh, an 11 percent increase from 2021 and transportation incidents remain the most frequent type of fatal event counting for 37.7 so uh, black and African-American workers, rates are up for injuries. Uh, transportation incidents, uh, highest rate of fatalities within both groups. So uh, what it comes down to here is this. If you're black or Latino or African-American, depending on what, what your preferred term is here, and uh, you're at greater risk of work. And that's part of what the NJCU, New Jersey City University, right? We do outreach to uh, at-risk communities. And this is part of why we do this, is the much higher uh, incident rates. Now, this is what's incredible to me is uh, 266 fatalities in 2022 from suicide. People coming to work and committing suicide somehow. 
all very, uh, all very, uh, 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 disturbing. I don't know what, how else to say this other than it's, uh, disturbs me. Probably need to do a video with that separately. And let me do stop sharing. I don't like to out companies here because, uh, no, as I say during the introduction here, everyone's innocent until proven guilty, and a lot of these things get negotiated, litigated, vacated, every type of uh, thing. So this is not going to be the final stuff here. Department of Labor finds Wisconsin sawmill, again, another Wisconsin situation, nearly $1.4 million after allowing teens to operate dangerous material, uh, machinery. Now, here's something that... Uh, you should be aware of every state has labor laws, right? And you could go into your favorite search engine. We're going to do it right here. Child labor laws, uh, Wisconsin, right? So here we have, I'm going to do a share screen here again. Now, every state is different. And it used to be when I was uh, in uh, right, underage, a minor working, I would get, oh, we'd always hear, well, he's not allowed, my mother would be like, you know, you're not allowed to use meat slicers, blah, blah, blah. But what she didn't know was all this other stuff, because why would you know? It's the 1980s, no, no internet or anything, no reason why you would know that. And you're relying on the workers to know the material and the employers to go out there and uh, you know, follow the law. And we know that that doesn't always happen. We had a discussion on LinkedIn this week with people with roofers. And the models, someone point made a very... Uh, relevant point was that business models for roofing contractors and some other residential construction is to use day laborers. That's their thing. So what do they, they pay them X number of dollars a day. That could be a per diem rate, depending on what the custom is for that area. Usually it's a per diem rate and you work from uh, seven o'clock in the morning till the job is done. Uh, mostly on weekends when the inspectors are not around and that's their model. So with a lot of these businesses that are getting nabbed for labor stuff, for underage labor, perhaps that's one of their things. That's something I'll, I'll put out there. Now, this is in Wisconsin uh, with the workers. State law prohibits the use of minors to perform hazardous works. work. A complete list of work list as hazardous can be found in blah, 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 blah. Some instances, uh, the hazard involves the entire work site, while in other instances, particularly machine uh, or machine or activity is prohibited. The following list contains some or more of the common hazards. So hazards are all minors, adult bookstores, use of bakery machines, erection or of or operation of amusement rides in carnival, carnivals, amusement parks, etc. Any work with asbestos, work in any confined space, mining, operation instead of cleaning of meat and food slices. That's what moms, our moms used to say. Excavations involving a trench four, four feet deep or greater. Any work uh, with explosives. That's also federal law. Uh, selling, serving, dispensing, giving away liquor. Some of the states have that also. They're rolling that back. Set up operation or cleaning a power drum and metal forming puncher or shearing material, motor vehicles, any work with radioactive materials, operation or power of driven circular saws, van saws, chainsaws, or guillotine shears, roofing operations, slaughtering, meatpacking, processing, or rendering, any work an employer experiences a strike or lockout or participating as a picketer in a strike or lockout, work in a locking industry, including sawmill, lathe mill, shingle mill, or cooperage stock mill operation, 
Cleaning, setup, or operation of most power-driven woodworking machines, any work involving wrecking, demolition, or shipbreaking. When 16- and 17-year-old miners working between the hours of 12.30 a.m. and 5 a.m., they must be under direct supervision. And this is hazardous to miners under 16. Agriculture, uh, unless employed on a family farm, airports, gun clubs, operation of any power-driven machineries other than office machines, personal care of patients in the hospitals or nursing homes, working rooms where manufacturing, processing, storage, or warehousing takes place, Communications and public utilities work, transportation of people by property or property by air, rail, or motor vehicle, street carnivals, and traveling shows. Now, let's go now. We're going to go back to the story here. This is in Florence, uh, Wisconsin. Despite regulations barring young workers from operating dangerous machinery, the management of a Wisconsin sawmill allowed several miners, minor workers to perform maintenance on, and this is written by machine, on equipment without training or following required safety procedures. On June 29th, a 16-year-old worker became trapped in a stick stacker machine as he tried to unjam it, the young worker may, remained trapped until he was found and freed, then transported to the hospital where he passed away two days later. There is no excuse for allowing underage workers to operate this type of machinery. And going on, uh, blah, blah, blah. right there, they're so in their in deep gouvno here. The agency cited the company for eight willful, six repeated, 29 series, and four other than serious violations of Federal Safety and Health Administration. Uh, regulations. We're putting this severe violator enforcement program and uh, we're entered into a federal consent order and judgment in September 2023, right? Uh, ordering and the Fair Labor Standards Act child labor provisions paying $190,696 in civil money penalties to resolve its child labor violations. Court action followed an investigation by the department's wage and hour division. And, uh, and and it goes on with, uh, in February 2023, uh, the department announced the creation of an interagency task force to combat child labor exploitation to better align federal efforts to protect children from exploitive situations in the workplace. In fiscal year 2023, the department investigators identified uh, child labor violations in 955 cases and assess employers with more than $8 million in penalties. How many, uh, you think that this only happened 955 times? I can guarantee you it happens a lot more, but one of the things is that there's not enough enforcement here. Again, it all comes down to what our priorities are, uh, the government priorities, priorities as a society. A lot of times uh, things are, mi people are migrants, they're immigrants. They get brought into the country uh, here. I'm not going to really go into detail with that. And guess what? They end up on construction sites. No, it's a shame. Crying shame. Here is one of our main events here with this. And well, might as well just do a share screen on this too. All right, Department of Labor seeks to expand and establish protections for today's emergency response. This has always bothered me. They should have done this a long time ago. U.S. Department of Labor today, and this is uh, from yesterday, the 21st, uh, announced that OSHA will publish a proposal. Proposal is my favorite word. In January 2024, to update an existing Standard expand safety and health protections for emergency responders, including firefighters, emergency medical service providers, and technical search and rescue workers. President Biden is committed to protecting our emergency responders the same way 
They protect us every day, and this proposal is a critical uh, step. OSHA will issue a notice of proposed rulemaking to modernize the agency's fire brigade standards, first published in 1980, as its protections for a narrow set of industrial and private firefighters have become outdated. Let's repeat that again. Its protections for a narrow set of industrial and private firefighters have become outdated. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Currently, OSHA regulations protect state emergency responders' safety and health in a patchwork of decades-old hazard-specific standards. Not designed as comprehensive emergency response standards, they fail to address the full range of job hazards faced by today's emergency responders. The newly named Emergency Response Standard updates the safety and health protections in line with national consensus standards for a broad range of workers exposed to hazards that arise during and after fires and other emergencies. The proposal will include major changes for, for protective clothing and equipment and significant improvements in safety and health practices that the industry generally accepts as standard procedures. The proposal requires uh, that, uh, employees to obtain baseline medical screening for all emergency responders and ensure continued medical surveillance for responders when they are exposed to the byproducts of fires and explosions for more than 15 times annually. The proposal also includes a variety of other requirements to better protect workers whose primary job is emergency response. Those whose emergency response duties are in addition to their regular work, daily, regular daily work activities. Okay, I'm going to issue uh, some comments, but this is what my comment is. Congress has to get off its rear end and actually go out and make the Occupational Safety and Health Act applicable, right, OSHA regulations applicable to first responders. Fire, you're, that's your municipal firefighters, your municipal uh, EMTs, your municipal police, and everything else. Because this is what happens, and I get this all the time with, uh, with, uh, from firefighters. Yeah, Jim, uh, you know, we're employed, this, you know, these are the employed, not the volunteers. Volunteers, that's another Totally different subject here. Yeah, Jim, we uh, you know we agree with you. We hear uh, hear you about the uh, uh, firefighters. Uh, no, about that sub OSHA, blah blah blah. We're firefighters. We don't have to uh, obey OSHA. Really? How did that work out for us during the nine eleven recovery in New York City? That's when this should have been done. So what's the other thing? They said, well, you know, it makes it stupid because you now you have the government, uh, no, uh, finding on the government. Okay. What's good for the gander is good for the goose, right? What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Private companies got fined. Why aren't these uh, public entities being fined? Why aren't they being penalized? You don't want to penalize them? You don't want to, you know, uh, fine them or things? Okay, well. Why, why aren't we making things more criminal then when things don't happen on the level, on the level, on the level, right? We hold companies criminally liable. We can't hold governments criminally liable here. Government officials. My two cents here. Back when I was running for office back in the day, there was a big discussion there. Well, uh, on this with the, uh, with the uh, uh, 9-11, right after 9-11. Well, you were there for some of the stuff. Yeah, I did private cleanups on 9-11. I did the anthrax cleanups. Why? Uh, what about your jobs? And blah, blah, blah. I said, my jobs were okay. Because we actually, because we're private entities, we actually did air sampling during the cleanups. We enforced PPE rules. So let's face it, rules are just administrative controls, and they're not really the best all the time. Problems with rules. We did all this stuff. But... Public entities didn't have to do it. And now we have, what's the latest count? 40,000 people impacted by that? Number of first responders dead after 9-11? Is an exceedance on the actual victims of 9-11? No, as of this year? Millions and millions of dollars in payouts? Suffering? Untold suffering? None of this is acceptable. I'm glad to see that they're finally doing something like this. I don't, my fear is 
is that this is not going to go far enough. It all goes back to, if you want to look back at our old programs, the issue attention cycle with that. Let's uh, take a break here for a minute, and uh, we'll come back. Have you listened or watched uh, the Safety War Show? It does stream live on, on the radio and um, on the streamer emers that we have. So if you have not taken a listen to Jim Bozel and what the hell he's doing every evening with uh, Safety Wars, I would I would strongly encourage you to um to take a view or take a listen, um, whichever option is available for you, and take a listen to what the hell he has going on. Uh, it's definitely, it will take some deep dives and some information that you might be interested in. So here we go with the issue attention cycle. And I am not going to split the screen here with this because I really want uh, you folks uh, on the uh, video portion to really see this. Right. And this, I don't know who uh, the copyright holder is on that. It's definitely not me. So here we have the issue attention cycle. We had the pre problem stage, the undesirable condition. Then it goes into alarm, discovery, euphoric enthusiasm. That's kind. Realization of the cost of significant progress. And then gradual decline in public interest. And then the post-problem stage. And then it starts all over again. This is what my biggest fear is with this. It's not going to go far enough, this stuff. And now we're going to go into, well, now we were in the pre-problem stage. Or we know that now we have alarm discovery. They have this is going to come out. And then there's going to be, oh, crap, they're going to do something that, or people are going to say, hey, we're, things are already uh, uh, done. We don't have to worry about this again. And then the gradual uh, decline in public interest. And then we're back into a territory we were before, post-problem stage or the pre-problem stage, depending on where you are. And this is where the problem is with this. This is also organizations, what private employers and everything else, they get themselves into these uh, types of situations. It's not good with this. And then all of a sudden, well, we already took care of that situation. Uh, we already took care of that situation. So therefore, uh, we don't have to worry about that situation ever again. Very frustrating. And then things you know, don't improve. And then uh, years later, you end up with the same type of thing going on. All right, I want to get through these news releases here. The U.S. Department of Labor announced today that its Mine Safety and Health Administration completed impact inspections, and this is from not a date here, but this was this week, this uh, December 21st, yesterday. The Department of Labor announced today that its Mine Safety and Health Administration, that's MSHA, completed impact inspections at 14 mines in 10 states in November 2023, issuing 184 violations and one safeguard. The agency began impact inspections after a, the April 2010 explosion in West Virginia at the other big branch line that killed 29 miners. To date, MSHA's impact, and it goes on and on and on. What did they find? And they mentioned the mines here. I'm not going to go into who the mines were, uh, but they do mention one uh, uh, here. Failure to provide and maintain guarding around moving machine parts. Overall, inspectors cited inadequate guarding most frequently during uh, the inspection that they talk about, about a mine in North Dakota. Lack of appropriate protection for moving machine parts can contribute to fatal mining uh, accidents. Failure to provide safe access to working areas was the second most frequently cited violation during the inspection of this particular mine that they talk about. Earlier uh, in 2023, MSHA issued a safety alert regarding the dangers associated with working at heights. The agency continues to remind operators and contractors of best practices for preventing falls, such as designing an effective fall prevention and protection program, as well as providing task training. Other serious violations, including housekeeping violations, the lack of arms around water, and equipment defects that were not corrected in a timely manner. So, uh, so they had like 2,400 violations for the industry total, almost 2,500, including 706 significant and 
a substantial and 52 unwarranted failure findings. I did not know that there was that actually existed in the United States anymore. U.S. Department of Labor investigates workers' injury fines in Ohio. Rubber manufacturer continues to ignore federal workplace safety standards. An Ohio uh, industrial rubber hose manufacturer with a long history of federal workplace safety issues could have prevented a 25-year-old worker from suffering severe crushing injuries by following required safety measures the U.S. Department of Labor has determined. Investigators with OSHA responded to report at a certain company of the workers' contusions and fractures and their hospitalization on June 22, 2023. The incident marks the seventh time the agency has investigated safety issues at that facility since 2013. The ocean inspector learned uh, that the workers' uh, thing, workers' injuries due to the company's failure to follow lotto lockout tagout. Uh, here, so let's go right here. This should be it. I have the violation right in front of me. Here, scrolling on down. Citation one, item one, lockout, tagout. Type of violation, serious, uh, 15,625. Citation two, item one, type of violation, ser willful, serious. Another lockout, tagout violation, no procedures, $156,259. Citation three, item one, type of violation, repeat, serious, machine guarding. This one was for $156,259. Citation three, item two, type of violation, repeat, serious. This was $61,000, and it was uh, no guarding, basically. All sprocket wheels and chains shall be enclosed unless they are more than seven feet above the floor or platform. So as a repeat... And citation four, item one, other than serious, uh, guards shall be affixed to the machine where possible and secured elsewhere if for any reason attachment of the machine is not it, uh, possible. The guard shall be such that it does not so offer an accident hazard itself. This is uh, corrected during the inspection, zero dollars. The employer did not ensure the overhead cat puller guard Housings were secured in place in such manner as to prevent shifting towards the machine's horizontal drive. In that case, it would be a nip point. For a grand total of $389,534. $389,534. Really? Okay. Let's see, we are at 48 minutes after the hour here, I believe. And we are on live tonight on Safety FM. All right, let's get our next stories up. Okay, here we go. Uh, cops, and this is from the smoking gun. Man was battered for belching. North Carolina man was assaulted for burping, police report says. Cops say a person was waiting for an order he placed Wednesday evening at a meat market in High Point when he belched. The burping upset a male suspect who was inside the Hispanic meat market at the time. When the person subsequently exited the business with a female companion, the suspect was outside with three other Hispanic males. The suspect punched the victim in the face and kicked him in the hand. The assailant and his associates then got into a car and left the scene. The, the victim was a self-employed construction worker who lives in nearby Asheboro. And, uh, okay. Wow.
Again, you're going to want to put the kitties away for this one. But uh, children, uh, watch in horror. I'm giving you a warning, right? Three, two, one. Don't want the kids to hear this. Three, two, one. Children watch in horror as Russian Santa falls through his death in a monstrous stunt. The tragedy was described as a completely unpredictable event by the residential management company. A man dressed as the Russian Santa Claus was the victim of a monstrous misfortune as he plunged through his death during a stunt for children. The man, an experienced industrial crimer aged between 25 and 35, had intended to stun children gathered around a Christmas tree by climbing down from a residential high-rise uh, building. Uh, but, the, but, but the amazing surprise turned into a tragedy as the red-robed grandfather Frost fell to his death from the 24th floor. The climber, who reportedly mixed up the safety ropes, crashed on a snow-covered structure on the first floor of the building, which spared the children the sight of a body. Incredible. To add to the horror, the man's wife and his young child were among those waiting for him. To uh, think, uh, sorry to hear that around the holidays. Wow. Inside China's chilling brain warfare unit, developing mind-controlled weapons, super drugs, and soft-kill tech. This was in the movie Firefox in the mid-80s, starring Clint Eastwood. Phenomenal movie back in the 80s. But now looking at it, where man, that was cheesy. China has been uh, developing, but I still like the movie Firefox. China has been developing mind-controlling weapons as part of their latest psychological warfare strategies, the report has revealed. The People's Liberation Army has been developing artificial intelligence and new technologies like brain-computer interfaces for military use, research group uh, CCP, Biothreats Initiative stated. Groups and analysts believe that Chinese military is hoping to develop a new form of arms that will win them wars without the use of their already expansive amount of firepower. Wow. The Chinese army is suspected to have developed anti-sleep glasses for their own troops to remote alertness and to counter out similar psychological weapons used by enemies. Wow. U.S. Air Force to reclaim Pacific airfield that launched atomic bombings that looks to counter China. U.S. Air Force plans to bring the Pacific Island airfield that launched the atomic bombings of Japan back into commission as it tries to broaden its basing uh, options in the event of any hostilities with China, the service's top officer in the Pacific says. Uh, and it goes on. The facility was abandoned in 1946. Wow. If you pay attention over the next few months, you will see significant progress, especially in at Tinian North. Uh, General Kenneth Wisfax said the Air Force is also adding facilities at Tinian International Airport at uh, the center of the island. Pacific Air Force's confirmed comments to CNN that said there was no official release on the subject. Wow. Incredible. Here, where this is, right? You can check it out on CNN. Thinking about quitting your job, so are 39% of U.S. employees. A new piece of research has found 39% of employees have been with the company for less than six months, plan to leave within the next 12 months, a six-point increase from last year. This is from The Hill. Uh, with the new job honeymoon phase well and truly over, employees are increasingly determined to make their voices heard when it comes to ensuring their workplace experience addresses their individual needs. They're not prepared to hang around in jobs that aren't working for them. One of my problems when I was younger, I stayed too long at companies. So why are American workers so unhappy with uh, that they're thinking about quitting so soon uh, after starting? Often it's a case of finding out the grass is not quite as green as they might have been led to believe. Let's say they were lied to, they feel. And uh, that could be because the people who are hired them are not the ones that they end up working with. And the vague promises, commitments they're made during the recruitment process fail to materialize once they're in a position. It's not that employers are breaching the terms of employment 
contract that's more subtle than that. It may be have to do with the corporate culture of the employer or its attitude towards hybrid work or flexibility around working hours. Well, and then, you know, all the other stuff, personality clashes and everything else. Here we have from studyfinds.org. Look out, pocket phone related pocket phone related accents are skyrocketing. So uh, uh televisions, uh stable in American homes are currently responsible for thirty percent of all tech related incidents in the US and the majority of injuries are stemming from lifting heavy screens. One patient reported a strain at and this is from the National Electronic Injury Surveillance System. Never heard of it. Yeah, amazing. Researchers found that texting while walking is on its way to becoming the most common tech injury in the United States. Still, it's TVs, 30%. What do we have here? Here we have the most dangerous types of tech in the United States. Televisions, 30%. Screens and panes. Telephone accessories, 23% pain. Computer laptops and video games, 22% pain. Stereo and audio components, this is weird. Foreign body, 14%. And batteries, 72% from what? Congestion. That I knew. Biggest causes of incidents involving a phone, walking, texting, talking, reaching, phone card, Phone cord, I'm sorry, phone cord, charger, and running. Or posture and everything else. Wow, we're going to have to save this one. And. So we're going to go with our normal outro uh, today. And. We'll see everybody later on. Merry Christmas to everybody if you celebrate. Uh, we'll see you back next week. Let's remember, Christmas starts next week. It lasts for 12 days. Hold on, I gotta do a share screen here. I wasn't. Oh, yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guests necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as. The only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. Thank you.